Of course, to get deals, there were codes that you had to enter online. LL Bean was 20% off with the code THANKS20. The Gap was 50% off with the code CYBER. And Kohl's was free with the code PLEASE TAKE THIS CRAP OFF OUR HANDS. <laughs> and just take it. Just fill up your car. Little old-timey department store humor. <laughs> what would Roebuck think? <laughs> oh, boy. Coming what up, is this? The olden days? I know, sweetheart. The California agency took nine years to create a fire map, and Jerry Brown vetoed legislation to get him to hurry up. Why that happened is why I refer to the Golden State as corruptifornia. I'm not joking. One-party rule is toxic. It's toxic everywhere. It's toxic where Republicans have too much power for too long. One-party rule is toxic. And I'm telling you, there's no better example of it than than California. What was the story, Marshall? it keeps getting bluer. What was the story Marshall had a little bit ago about um, most people think it's too expensive to send their kids to college in California and something needs to be done was the gist of the story. Mm -hmm. That's all because it is. And something should be done. But we got this text. um, $25,000 tuition and room and board per year at Chico State. And I live in California. When I went there in 1986, tuition was $380 a semester. And I paid 100 bucks a month rent. Now, the idea that tuition has gone from $380 a semester to $25,000 a year is just unbelievable. Adjusted for inflation, that's 20 times higher. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's just insane. Um, and taxes are higher. Right. But spending on education has... See, that's the problem with this question. Uh, you have people shouting that it's spending on education that's been cut. And there have been some cuts, but per student, it's not really, and it's complicated. And then there are other people who you know claim the opposite. There's a grain of truth on each side. But one thing that's unquestionable is the expense per student to run a university has skyrocketed, partly because of all the bureaucracy, the hundreds of millions of dollars of associate dean of inclusion and diversity and not hurting anybody's feelings and all. It's just universities used to be way leaner and meaner. And, and not mean, really, just lean. We got this text. I'm not saving money for my kids' college. I have a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old. If they want to go to school, they can fund it. The economy will be so desperate for a, for a non-snowflakes, I think they'll find work. Um, I, I, I don't know yeah, well, what. I don't know your life the way you want. Well, right. I don't know what I'm going to do, you know, because you only get one shot at this and et cetera, et cetera. But... It doesn't make sense to try to get that knowledge at that cost. Right. It just doesn't make sense. It's needless. It's like buying a $30,000 bicycle. You can get one for a lot less. But but people don't accept that you're riding a bike if you only spent $1,200 on it? What the hell is that? You know accounting. You're good at it. Give a young man, a young woman a test. See if they understand accounting well enough to work for your company. If they do, hire them. That they didn't get it from UC Berkeley or Oregon State or wherever. What the hell does that have to do with anything? Right. Now, if you're looking for some sort of well-rounded, got a liberal arts education, I value that. I think it's a good thing. You could do that on your own. Back to the bicycle analogy. 
You know, you can you can you can quote Mark Twain, have a grasp of history, and 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 you know have read some Shakespeare's, uh, and not had it cost you you know cumulatively one hundred twenty thousand dollars. It's crazy. You can figure out the the uh, quite easily. It's, it's online, all kinds of places. The stuff that you would read for a great liberal edu- education, and all of it's available on YouTube, or just read the books, or you could get prof- professor lectures on it. I mean, this stuff is everywhere right. now. And here's a shout out to my brothers and sisters who are running the classrooms. Most teachers these days are non-tenured, term-to-term temporary employees who are terrified of bad reviews from the students. Uh, For good reason. Because if a a snowflake says they triggered me, they said something rude, they talked about the the rape of, uh, you know, the native peoples. He referred to me as she without asking what I preferred as a pronoun. Right, exactly, what my pronouns are. They'll be fired, and they won't work again at that university. And then they got to say, I'm sorry, honey, I lost my job, and move on. So... The actual teachers are making a fraction of what the full-tenured professors made and are terrified of their students and the faculty. So that's what you're getting for your twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year as the bloat just continues to grow in American universities. The problem with that dude's approach, and again, sir, you live your life, you run your life, you educate your kids however you see fit. It's none of my business is, you know, I've felt like I feel now for a very long time, but I knew the American university system would still be more or less what it is right now. And Little D, who's a sophomore in college, is on a you got to have a college degree track. And in fact, you got to have, you know, a a kind of impressive-ish one. Just on the track, she is. She's not an accountant. Her boyfriend is. Um, So, you know, I went ahead, we went ahead and saved our money because we had a feeling that, it would be more or less as it is right now. But, yeah, dude, I sympathize completely. I'm saving money, but there's a limit. And if it keeps going exponentially the way it is, it might be beyond my limit. Of where I just I got to say to my kids, look, this is just a dumb way to, to craft our lives, your right. life. Right. You're getting ripped off. We're getting ripped off. I don't want you to have $100,000 in debt as a 23-year-old making $26,000 a year. It's an absurd amount of debt. I don't know. It's not a mortgage. It's not even for a real good. It's for the stuff that's in your head that, again, you could have gotten for a tiny fraction of the price. It It, it is, you know, have you ever heard the parable? It's a, It's like a folk story of cutting the ends off the ham. It's oft told. They've been cutting off the ends of the ham for generations at the Christmas dinner. And they start talking about it to dinner one night. And, uh, and all the kids, the grandkids, they all throw out their theories why they do that. And finally, great-grandma says, wait, whoa, 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 we started cutting the ends off the ham because our pan wasn't big enough for the entire ham. Well, we're stuck in this rut of the American college system just because we've been doing it for, for a couple of hundred years now. We're cutting the ends off the ham even though there's no need to anymore. And it's just discouraging. So many people are making so much money. So do we or do we not have baked ham here? <laughs> well, yeah, you have baked ham. And, and it could be argued you have more of the delicious end pieces. Okay. That are a little bit overcooked. God, I would eat some ham right oh, now. It's like halfway between ham and bacon. The overcooked part. Oh, yeah. So good. God, I would eat some ham right So now. good. So what, I'm sorry, what were we talking what, about? What, Tom Arnold. Arnold. We were talking about Tom Arnold. What will get you a visit from the Secret Service? Well, Tom Arnold knows. Does, <laughs> does everybody know who Tom Arnold is? That's my question. Yeah, that's a valid question. <laughs> 
Sean, do you know who Tom Arnold is? So, to reverse engineer this, right? So, Roseanne, the lady who lost her TV show because she tweeted something. Back (laughs) back from a previous TV show, this was her in real life husband who kind of got fame because he married a very famous comedian. He was he was on the show, and he's a pretty solid comedic actor. Yeah, thank you so much to Tom Arnold, and friend of the former governor. He got his own show that was a hit though that was pretty good. Yes. (laughs) What was Tom Arnold's own show? Nobody cares. Well, anyway, (laughs) and then he had like. He's just, I don't know, he's just one of those people that is just kind Star of, Trek, I think he was Captain Star Trek. <laughs> he's one of those people that just kind of hung around the C-list celebrity right. level for a yeah. long time. Yeah. And now he's on this big thing of uh, being anti-Trump. Right. Which then, might partially be a dig at his ex-wife, Roseanne. Yes, and a desperate ploy to make a living. And he's, uh, what is this thing with Trump? Oh, he he claims he's on a quest to find the N-bomb tapes oh, or whatever right. from that, the taping of The right. Apprentice. Because Tom Arnold was on The Apprentice. He claims that Trump was dropping N-bombs on The Apprentice. There's tapes of it. He's going to get them. He's offered a million dollars or something like that. Uh, whatever, whatever. But he has a reality show about his hunt for the tapes. Saw this headline over the weekend. Secret Service grills comedian Tom Arnold over anti-Trump tweets. How did this happen? Secret Service agents visited comedian actor Tom Arnold's home last month to question him about his anti-Trump tweets and warn him that social media activity can incite violence against the president. Wow. Arnold had challenged President Trump to a fight after the president praised um, the representative from Montana last month for body slamming a reporter during the 2017 special election in Montana. We covered that story. Not a great moment. No. Uh, quote, I say put up or shut up at real Donald Trump. Me versus you for America. First body slam wins. Any rally, any time between now and the midterms, Tom Arnold tweeted. Yes. So that's challenging the president to a fight. Yes. I well, know, certainly a wrestling match. I don't know if that gets you in trouble. But Best then, of three throws. In a subsequent tweet <laughs> that has since been deleted, Arnold invoked comedian Kathy Griffin's controversial photo shoot in which she held a fake severed head that looked like Trump. Next time, Kathy won't be holding his fake head, the deleted tweet said. Nice nice ploy, Tom. So apparently, if you make reference to cutting off the president's head, you will get a visit from the Secret Service. And they basically said... Or CENTCOM. And I've got a Secret Service friend. See ISIS, how that went for them. (laughs) Yeah. I've got a Secret Service friend. You you visit these people, and you basically quickly determine they're just shooting their mouths off. They're not a threat. And you say, don't do that. You can't do that. And that's mm. pretty much the longest And I show. say, I thought this was America. <laughs> I guess I'm wrong. Tom Arnold's so funniest uh, scene, perhaps, Texan on toilet in the Mike Myers classic uh, Austin Powers. Hilarious. Found sure. the name of his short-lived TV show that he was the star of? Tom. Who would have guessed? Yeah. It was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. You might blow out an O-ring. Are you talking about that? Yeah. Yeah. That was a good line. (laughs) Take it easy, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Two men are fighting to the death in the bathroom stall, and he thought they were merely trying to have a movement. (laughs) Well, one guy. Anyway. The hilarious Tom Arnold. Ah, yes. And happier times. Pre-president threatening times. Right. (laughs) Why are we playing graduation music? We were talking about uh, oh, college. Yeah, college. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I was trying to I was trying to puzzle that through. Why a California agency took nine years to create a this area is at high risk of fire map. 
nine years. Wow. The answer is because the state is <laughs> utterly corrupt. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Touchdown confirmed. Take that, Mars. I like... The accomplishment, I didn't like the clearly pre-choreographed dances that the NASA scientists did on Touchdown because they knew they were on TV. Trying to become YouTube sensations. Right. Didn't like that. Or Instagram influencers, a term I absolutely love. Not a joyous celebration with coworkers of a difficult task accomplished. (laughs) No, it was all fame-seeking. Because, you know, NASA scientists, notorious fame-seekers. Absolutely. Right. Showboats. That's what they are. (laughs) You know, I really got to get into this California agency. It took nine years to create the fire map uh, story because it's amazing. If I was ambitious, I would uh, I'd make some sort of documentary about it, Roger or Michael Moore style. Um, but I'm a man who craves leisure. So the one um, thing I would do if I ever won the lottery, I think. Although once I had that much money, my uh, my uh, you get up and go, got up and went. <laughs> yes, I might not have near as much energy as I used to have. Right, right. All of a sudden, I'm getting up at two and going back to bed at five. <laughs> But I'm making documentaries on all kinds of different stories that the mainstream media might have done years ago, but don't do anymore. Right. Really that would be satisfying work. Oh, yeah. 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 I'd be into that. Uh, and uh, like I said, I should get to the story. But all I can think about was, and I'm not complaining. I have a great life. Uh, more ups and downs than you might imagine. But that's everybody has that. Um, I had a few hours to myself last night. And I was so excited. I was going to do one of my favorite things in the world. And I spent the entire time. Origami. F- origami. That's right. And uh, and then but posting it on Instagram, uh, I spent the entire time fighting my computer. Oh, that is a, the all time soul suck. And uh. and it was it was an extra frustrating chasing tail experience because there was both hardware and software involved, and a question of whether. The hardware, you know, there's no more support for this, but you can go back to an old operating system and blah, blah, blah. Is that a good idea? And we just got new internet service the same day. And so I kept getting uh, error not found. And I'm thinking it had something to do with the new internet service. And so many, many fusters were clocked. And I I was determined not to get angry. And I'm I'm pretty good at that, although I can't decide whether I'm just suppressing my anger and I'll die prematurely, or if I'm just remaining calm. I don't know the difference. There are two talents involved. One is not getting angry. The other one is pretending to not get angry. Those are two different talents. And I don't know which one right, I'm doing. Right, right. <laughs> I honestly don't. And until I, you know, smash something, I think I'm doing the first, and then I realize I was doing the second. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, so no, I was, it turns out it was just bubbling no, there the whole I time. Was, I was very angry the entire time. Right. I just, I just, just suppressed it. it. <laughs> and then, God dang it, just before I'm going to go to bed, my eldest and her fiancé took a, had a terrible blow to their lives. I mean, mm. they're gonna, it's not like a... Not like a fatal car wreck or anything like that. It's just a really bad break. And Oh, my God. 
Oh, boy. Yeah. Life keeps lifing you. Yeah, no kidding. You think life's going to, you know, think you can stop worrying. Well, you can't. Anyway, uh, state agency charged with overseeing utility companies took nine years to develop a consistent statewide map designating areas at high risk for specifically power lines sparking or falling and creating fires. That was their task. Create a map of where there's a risk of this. It took them nine years. Seven of those years during Jerry Brown's time in office and six during the tenure of the president of a key state agency resigned after a series of leadership scandals. Now, the key to the story, and like I said, I'd like to do an hour-long documentary on this. we got to cram it in right now. We'll continue on later in the hour, but... Longtime critics of PG&E and the role in sparking some of the state's worst wildfires are voicing new concerns after reports that PG&E's transmission line almost certainly sparked the campfire. Um, others are creating, uh, calling rather for the creation of a new independent body to oversee the utilities because there is an independent body, the CPUC, the California Public Utilities Commission, but the lobbyists own it. They run it. Said Bob Whalen, city council member from Laguna Beach. It's a Southern California city that's prone to fire. It's had quite a few. Says Bob Whalen, who's a city council member, quote, We were the only city in the state to participate in the fire mapping process. It's a very slow-moving and bureaucratic and Byzantine process dominated by the utility companies. He said any suggestion we made was typically voted down 31 to 1. To me, what would really take the fire mitigation analysis to a higher level is if you have an independent body of experts involved. The utilities are so familiar with the process and so involved in the day-to-day of it, they really dominated the proceedings. Chico attorney Ken Roy, resident of fire-ravaged Butte County, he's litigated eight fire-related cases. Quote, what the CPUC hasn't done a good job is at is requiring the utilities to follow good safety practices. They're all in bed together. The CPUC hasn't done anything to alleviate the problem, and it's been going on for over 30 years. All eight cases that I've litigated have involved vegetation management issues. Every single one. And then they quote the CPUC saying, well, it'll be very expensive and cost to rate payers, etc., etc., Brown appointed two of his top aides to serve on the commission in 2016 to help reform it and make it more transparent, following a large gas leak in Southern California, a resignation of the former uh, leader. In addition, a scathing 2016 tax audit found lax control over spending, failure to disclose public records, and a board member's travel at the expense of a nonprofit with close ties to the utility it oversees. And then a professor at UC San Diego says, I'd be shocked if what we've learned so far even gets beyond the tip of the iceberg. Oh, really? Corruptifornia. I wonder how the lawsuits are going to uh, factor into this. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, President Trump blasting GM's layoff plans, Nancy Pelosi's big day, and we've got a major breakthrough in eliminating allergies. Cool. Stories coming up. I'd like to hear that. Coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. So 
again, Ed Howard, expert in regulatory and administrative law at UC San Diego's Center for Public Interest Law, talking about the uh, the Public Utilities Commission in California, which is run by the utilities that lobby it. They own it. He said, I'd be shocked if what we've learned so far even gets beyond the tip of the iceberg. Senator John Morlock, who's a Republican, whatever that is, in uh, California, represents Laguna Beach, which has a terrible fire problem. Um, he got a bill passed through the legislature that would have required the CPUC to work with municipalities to ensure that the utilities were doing all they could to prevent fires in high-risk areas. He said, we were trying to get them off the dime because it was taking them years to make these maps and deal with the problem, inexplicably. I mean, they could have made them. They just refused to do it. So the legislature passed a law written by the Republicans, a Republican, and the governor vetoed it. I'm going to quote Morlock, then I'm going to tell you why Jerry Brown is talking so much about global warming right now. Morlock says, I authored a bill to address wildfires caused by sparking electrical lines in order to protect my constituents. The constituents who had been dealing with CPUC and CAL FIRE all disagreed that these two agencies were doing their job well, or as quickly as they could. Thus, the reason for the bill. Governor Brown relied on his bureaucracy, and he's relied on a weak excuse saying the real issue is climate change. A good manager would not just trust, but verify his departments. Jerry Brown is going on and on about climate change because he vetoed multiple bills that could have prevented the death and the loss of property and the incredible expense. People died because Jerry Brown and the Democrat Party were more interested in the lobbying dollars of PG&E than what was good and just. I will stand by that accusation. That's a strong statement. I have no hesitation in making it. And then, of course, that would be good cover to talk about it being climate change, and particularly Trump. Let's talk about Trump for the right. next 15 minutes. Exactly. What was that idiotic statement Jerry made? I should have had you dredge it up that uh, climate change uh, den- deniers are responsible for the loss of life in, in this fire and in future fires. An absurd statement. And, and, one, and once you bring Trump into it, then you're off to that conversation. And nobody and it will, became about Trump. Sure, it never gets back to the original. Yeah, the corrupt CPUC and Jerry Brown vetoing laws that could well have saved lives. Jerry, Boy, your answer? Somebody should be on that story big. That could be a big yeah. one. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Meanwhile, at the border now, some Central American migrants are exploring staying in Mexico... And the Mexican government says it's more than willing to help others who want to return to their home countries. They are willing to take them back to their borders. Many migrants are feeling a lot less hopeful of being granted asylum in the U.S. And the people in Tijuana, where thousands of them are camping, have made it very plain they don't want them staying there for long. i got to admit, this is kind of delicious that... When Mexico is acting like a traffic cop and just waving people through the country, they're like, oh, yeah, come on now. Racism. Yeah, you got to let them in. Hey, come on now. You don't like brown people or something. And then as soon as the U.S. said, no, nobody else. And they're sitting in Mexico, yep. which, by the way, the U.N. Charter says you got to apply for uh, for a refugee status in the first country you come to. Uh, now that they're staying in Mexico, Mexico's like, no way. Get them out of here. We don't want these people. Get them. Get them out. President Trump not happy at all with GM telling reporters he doesn't care what General Motors workers do. He just wants them to keep working. That's what he says. He told the GEM CEO, Mary Barra, 
Uh, I believe they'll be opening up something else, and uh, I was very tough. I spoke with her when I heard they were closing, and I said, you know, this country's done a lot for General Motors. You better get back in there soon. That's Ohio, and you better get back in there soon. Vara announcing the company's going to cut more than 14,000 jobs because of slow sales in economy models like the Chevy Cruze. Trump telling reporters he was not happy when he learned GM plans to close five plants. I'm not happy about it. Their car is not selling well, so they'll put something else. I have no doubt that in a not-too-distant future, they'll put something else. They better put something else in. So I think it's interesting that every time any car company has bet on the public's going to buy small economical cars, it has not worked out. The public wants big, giant, gas-sucking vehicles. It just does. You can... Wish it weren't true if you want or whatever, but it's just what people buy. USA Today front page of business yesterday was America's love affair with trucks and the, and the numbers behind it. I thought that was an interesting coincidence that it comes out the same day that GM has got all their problems for building this cruise that right. nobody wants. And I wondered, and I don't know if this is true or not, but when they got bailed out by the Obama administration, were there any actual agreements or at least... uh um, spoken agreements that look, you're going to be big on the economy cars. You got to get away. Remember, originally sure. when GM failed, Joe Biden and people like that were, they build these big trucks and that's not what people need. That's what people want. Right. If you don't build the big SUVs, you're going to fail. So, did the Obama administration, when they bailed out GM, did they make them build some of these economical models? Or did they just think that they'd better because they got bailed out by the government? I wonder. My recollection was they got some more concessions on average fuel mileage of the fleet and stuff like that. Because Ford didn't commit as much to the smaller economical cars that people just don't want as much. You know, even more interesting to me is the relationship between politics and PR and labor. Uh, and economics, because they're building the Chevy Cruze, which just isn't popular. And they've done the math in GM and decided it's much cheaper to manufacture what people do want at other plants that are either already geared up for it or overseas or what have you. Now PR and labor come in and say, essentially, and I, I love watching these power plays. It's just interesting to me. It's a great sport. They're saying, we're going to make it so expensive for you in terms of PR, you'd be better off retooling this giant union plant in Ohio to build either electric cars, because they're getting away from right. hybrids and they want to go at full electric, um, or, or giant SUVs or something like that. We're going to make it so expensive for you, this will be a better option for you. And... And that is how they hope to keep people employed. It's also funny to listen to some of the posturing. Like, the union's talking about it's just a moral question. How dare you close this plant? How dare you? Well, same reason they're not manufacturing Model Ts anymore. Over at Ford, nobody wants them. You can't force somebody to manufacture stuff nobody wants. But, you know, they can't couch it in the practical terms because it wouldn't move hearts and minds so they're engaged in a pr fight you might not know this if you live in various states listening to us right now but a lot of the country's paying two dollars a gallon for gas in fact most of the country so uh they're not that worried about the big vehicles if you if you ever wonder that right and they run cleaner and cleaner than ever so you know you're not that worried about belching filth into the the sky well i've never worried about that i mean that's because you hate the sky People aren't buying based on that, most people. Would you treat your mother the way you treat Mother Earth? It's what it costs to drive your car, and it's only $2 a gallon for gas in most of the country. 
American and Japanese researchers say that giving allergy shots to pregnant women can protect their babies against allergies all their children's well, lives. So all I wow. need is a shot in a time machine. <laughs> this, this, no, but that's incredible. My that's poor astounding. Old, my oldest son has never yeah. breathed through his nose one day of his life. Wow. My brother's that way, too. He's never breathed through his nose once in his life. As scientists say the special shot... Just He's been to all the allergy clinics. He's right. taken all the shots. He's done everything you right. can do. As scientists say the special shots prevent unborn babies from producing antibodies that trigger allergic reactions. The shots could stop the development of allergies, including asthma, pollen, and food allergies. Wow. The work, in part, is being done at San Diego County's La Jolla Institute for Allergy and Immunology and the Japanese University, they hope the shots could be commercially available within five to ten years. Boy, I hope they've done a lot of tests on this. That's right. Five to ten years. They're being careful. Yep, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That'd be something. That'd be a big deal. Oh, please, the asthma stuff? I mean, oh, yeah. My allergies have been bad, and I've gotten the shots and everything through my life. But, you know, it's not like somebody who suffers from asthma. Sometimes their life is threatened. That's different. Love to see that uh, eliminated. The petering out is coming up. That's the portion of the show where we just kind of ease in onto the rest of our day, and we don't want to overdo it. That's why we call it the petering out. We'll have some good stuff for you. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to The Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I shouldn't say this. You'll say I'm very conceited because I'm not. <laughs> but other than the blonde hair, when I was growing up, they said I looked like Elvis. You see that? Can you believe it? I always consider that a great compliment. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> so that was at the uh, one I of the rallies. Pull your goddamn tongue out by the roots. There's Elvis there. One of my favorite clips of all time. Because he was uh, doing a rally, what I believe was the town where Elvis was born, which oh, okay. is Tupelo, how, Mississippi. Yeah, which is how Elvis was was brought up into the conversation. I drove through Tupelo uh, a number of years back. Went by the house where Elvis uh, was born for some reason. I don't know why. Why I did that? I don't know. What do I get out uh, of that? Sad, uh, that help you somehow? Yeah, exactly. Meaningful in some way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, you got this I'll story right here. It. I've never told anybody until now. <laughs> got, so the, got the front door. Got some windows. But um, they got rooms inside. <laughs> So my sartorial, pardon me, <laughs> situation. That'd be my clothes. Oh, your sartorial. Yes, I'm wearing Armstrong and Getty gear. Yes, I've got an Armstrong and Getty T-shirt on and an Armstrong and Getty hoodie. Company man. The T-shirt says, "Stupid should hurt." Stupid should hurt. And then the the sweatshirt says, "What on the back?" It's the the A and G logo. There you go. The uh, the winged logo. So you can buy these wares, Hanson. Where do you buy these? Armstrongandgetty.com. Okay. Armstrongandgetty.com. Here's, here's the, yes. and I like I like them. You can't slur the name. Yeah. Slur. I, I got them. Yesterday I wore them to work today. I'm going to cut a little modeling video later that we'll post at the site so you can see what they look like. When I, Have you already figured out your motivation? See, uh, yeah, I'm going to stomp around fiercely. <laughs> and so you can see what they look like on a pear-shaped gentleman. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> but the sweatshirt has a, a smell to it, unlike any clothing I've ever worn. Do you have any idea what that might be? It's the smell of freedom. <laughs> it is. It Normally, is. that's extra. We yeah. we throw that in <laughs> for free. Don't tell them. Everybody will want one. <laughs> the classic, there's a fly in my soup joke. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so the t-shirt smells fine, but the sweatshirt does have a, an odor to it. Do you have it's, any idea what that would be? It's just got more freedom on it, I guess. <laughs> I just... I just thought that was interesting because huh. the first thing my wife noticed was, what is that smell? Ah. <laughs> so, it's the smell I, of quality. I, <laughs> not I a good. Know, I don't know if I'm helping sell this item, but uh, I just thought I would point it out. I don't think so. Do you want to smell it? I'll take it off for you to smell it. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't Boy, feel like offer. sniffing you. Huh? It seems very odd. <laughs> yeah, that's just, it's an offer. Yeah, but toss it over here. I'm, I'm very clean. Whatever smell you get is from the sweatshirt. Oh, uh, the T-shirt's good looking. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it has that, uh, you know, fresh out of the Vietnamese loom smell to it, <laughs> frankly. Very that's, common that's the scent of the... 12 cents an hour. Yes. <laughs> Maybe the nine-year-old who was making it was smoking its cigarettes too close to it. Oh, boy. Now it's just sad. Now you've made everybody sad. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. A gift for the holidays for sure. your your uh, loved one who's a fan of the show. Well, none of my family members are listening because they might find one under their tree. Oh, my. <laughs> Where'd you get this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfectly good quality. Uh, nice, nice well, looking. Certainly. Yeah, yeah, very nice. And we got a variety of, uh, of options, colors, sizes. So I think you'd be very happy with that at armstrongandgetty.com. Indeed. Order generously or something. Mm-hmm. It is a pretty good Christmas gift if you know somebody who's a fan of the program. Oh, yeah. I think it'd be a fun uh, fun thing. Well, we got to get more slogans going. We have Stupid Should Hurt. Uh, Punch Violence in the Face is a good one. Yeah, that's one of our faves. I'm trying to get the Positive Sean collection going. I want to get an Avid Endorsement shirt with that's, like, a, that's, I like, that. like a, a Wi-Fi router or something as the logo. <laughs> I don't know. That's clever. That's yeah. good. Well, that's good, yeah. Landmark report recently uh, released. Evaluates the seismic resiliency of San Francisco's tallest buildings. Revealed that dozens, 68 in all, share a set of features that could render them particularly vulnerable when the next major earthquake strikes. Which could be in a thousand years or right now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, the buildings all completed between 1964 and 89 and all have steel skeletons and various uh, construction features that will render them a little more wobbly than you'd like. So mm. if you're in one of those buildings, enjoy the workday thinking about that. Final thoughts with Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Are you done? Never before have so few done so little for no one in particular. Mm -hmm. Right. The Armstrong and Getty Show. There's more to the earthquake story, obviously, but we're out of time. Here's your host, Joe Getty. All right, let's get a final thought from everybody on the squad. Marshall Phillips, your final thought? Well, I got to tell you, tempters are everywhere. I received an offer this morning from my financial advisor to make a sporting investment and I manfully said, no, not until next year, my personal improvement program, PIP, in play. Good for you. So you're not going to gamble till next year? Nope. Uh, be a bro and pass that tip along, huh? <laughs> hey, uh, Michael, what's your final thought for us? Yeah, speaking of tempters, there's a lot of people in our building that can bake, and I'm going to be big as a house. Oh, so I'm going to have to start... It. Like putting WD-40 on the <laughs> walls or something so I can fit through the door. Wow. <laughs> have to grease yourself up. 
Uh, positive Sean, do you have a final thought for us? Yeah, also potentials from the future Positive Sean collection at the Armstrong and Getty sh- store. You can get the Yeah But Still shirt. Oh, and that's a good one. your very own Just Like Mama's Milkshake. Huh? <laughs> Who wouldn't want to wear that? Still trying to get that going, huh? <laughs> well, that's, that's fun for the whole family. Yeah. Jack, beloved co-host, do you have a final thought? Survey Monkey asked the question, how many times a day does your kid say, I'm hungry? The biggest number, the plurality, was one to two. Boy, my kids are above that. Wow. My youngest is probably six to ten times a day. He always says, I'm hungry. And then I just say, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and then a couple minutes later, I'm hungry. I'll be darned. It takes a long time before he catches on to asking something for something politely. Wait a minute. <laughs> So my final thought, as I related earlier, I spent hours last night fighting my computer instead of doing my beloved hobby of recording music. I don't know if it's hardware, software, the, uh, what do you call it, the, uh, well, updated software. I don't... Operator is always a possibility. uh, Yeah, I'm thinking I'm just going to take up painting. (laughs) (laughs) Because there's no way I'm going to solve this. Oh, God, that can be so maddening. Uh, We will see you tomorrow. God bless America. This is a historic act uh, of uh, devastating incompetence. I will not sugarcoat this. This is a disappointing day for us. Big mistake, but not too bad. The fun level in this room is at an 11 right now, and that brought it down. The ride is over. The time for the clowns and the acrobats and the dancing bears has passed. Get away from here. Get. Yeah, we apologize for our stupidity, and we really hope you forgive us for what we've done. Thank you, and good night. Because the show's over. What? Bye-bye. I don't think the media treats anything fairly. I think the media is too skewed left and right. Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.